all authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Hello, authors. I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with children's and young adult author and award-winning short story writer Nadia L. King. And we chat the responsibilities of chairing a panel, being prepared and payments, Nadia's tips for authors looking to conduct this role, as well as sharing her blunderous and positive panel moments. adventure this week it's been a bit of a whirlwind squibby australia west members if you're listening you should have received a very special newsletter outlining that our amazing rotness wajamup retreat is back for this year 2024 and registrations actually open tonight for bookings. I'm going, I cannot wait. Ever since I joined Squibby, um, which for anybody else listening, it's the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, and I'm part of Australia West, which is a Perth chapter. And it's just such a fun retreat. You go across to, we've got an island called Rotnest, uh, Wadjanmap in an Aboriginal language. And yeah, there's publishers that come and readings. And it's just, it's such a great event. And it's not been on the last couple of years, but now it is, it's back. And uh, yeah, so I've been busy with the committee putting together, you know, information regarding that and doing some social media posts. So yeah, it's been, been kind of busy that way with admin stuff and like correspondence and things. I feel absolutely a bit overwhelmed with correspondence at the moment so if you have emailed me then thank you for your patience I will get to the email soon finally got my business plan away so that's very exciting for the hybrid author and I've really just been thinking about my young adult project this week I haven't really been actively writing in it because there has been a hierarchy of work and other commitments that have needed my time so I just want to say like when things like that happen if you have a week that kind of throws you off it's absolutely all right you know as a parent as someone who you know maybe works a day job or something then you just have to roll with it you just have to keep going for what works best for you that week what you get done something sometimes life kind of throws curveballs at you that is very unexpected and you just have to roll with them and yeah just go with it go with it and the writing will always come We've got the Perth Writers Festival here in this weekend and there's a squibby catch-up also so we'll be going to that on the Sunday and possibly some other events So this was quite fitting to have this interview with Nadia about chairing a panel because obviously in writers festivals there's lots of panels that are being chaired and if this is something that you're keen to get into then I hope you enjoy the interview. Hello 
Hello, my name's Nicole Webb and I'm the owner of Nicole Webb Book Publicity. I'm originally a journalist and a newsreader with over 30 years experience in the media. My memoir, China Blonde, was published in 2020 and I'm now working on a novel set in Singapore. In the past few years, I've completed more than 20 successful author book publicity campaigns. Promoting your book can feel like a daunting task. So if you want help planning your book publicity path, I'd love to help you. If you need a compelling media release, and someone to pitch you and your book to the media, or perhaps you want some media training to ensure you're confident when discussing your book, then let's talk. From consultations through to full marketing campaigns, I design tailored strategies to suit your needs and to target your book to its specific audience. You can check out my website, www.nicolewebonline.com for more details. Nadia L. King is an Australian author of Indian and Irish descent. She is a children's author and award-winning short story writer who believes passionately in the power of stories to make the world a better place. Nadia is currently undertaking postgraduate studies in English and creative writing. She is a proud role model for books in homes and lives in Western Australia with her family and ever-expanding collection of books. Welcome back to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Nadia. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Jo. Uh, we're so thrilled to have you because you were the very first guest on the Hybrid Author Podcast. Uh, so I'm so pleased to have you that we've come full circle. That's amazing. You've done such an amazing job. Thank you. And it all started with you, dear. <laughs> <laughs> But for, for those who haven't heard uh, or haven't heard the first episode of the Hybrid Author podcast or haven't um, heard of you before, can you tell us about your background in writing and publishing? And also, yeah, as the, yeah, we'll start with that. Okay, so I started writing about, oh, about 10 years ago when I was in my early 40s and I was just messing around. I just felt like I really needed to do writing and since then, I've had eight books published. So several of those have been published by an indie UK publisher and also recently um, by Scholastic, which was sort of a big goal of mine to be published by them. So I was delighted to be Amazing. published. Yeah. yeah. And I write um, mainly, I guess, my genre probably is more um, short stories for adults. That's really my jam. And I've been chairing panels for libraries and but others sort of like Scribblers Festival um, for a few years. So I was an MC or, or a facilitator for Scribblers Festival for quite a few years, for about, I think, three, maybe three or four years. So I chaired their panels and then they have, because Scribblers Festival is the premier children's literature festival in WA, they have a lot of student involvement or kid involvement so they had a young adult panel uh, made up of students and I coached them so that they knew what to do and yeah what to expect oh, that's yeah. really cool yeah yeah well today's topic is on chairing a panel so you're certainly the perfect person to talk about it it sounds like you've had lots of experience there but for listeners who don't really understand or haven't heard the term chairing a panel before are you able to maybe define what the responsibilities of chairing a panel are yeah so chairing a panel really is you with it's like if you're facilitating a, a group workshop so you're really the person that is holding everything together keeping people on time uh, time's really important so you want to make sure that you don't run over that you 
if you're going to have a Q&A session that you have left enough time so that the audience can have a bit of engagement with the talent. I really think that, I guess with anything in life, preparation is key. So when you have got your you know, details of the panel that you're chairing, you need to familiarise yourself with the panel members and with their works. And key really is preparing your questions in advance. Mm. So you want to make sure that you've covered off the brief that the organiser has has um, provided to you so that you, ha- yeah, so that you're not asking just random questions, you're asking questions that are going to hit the brief. I think another good tip really is to ask questions or responsibility is to ask questions that you want to know the answers to because your audience will likely want to know the same things that you're interested in. Oh, this is probably more of a tip than a responsibility, but preparing more questions than you think you'll need for the session just to make sure you can cover the whole session. And okay. to think- yeah. Yeah, you just don't know what's going to happen. It's live. So you don't know how people are going to react. You don't know how the audience is going to react. And panel members may or may not want to answer a question or they might, like, I remember I've, like, gone through and come up with what I thought were some really good questions, you know, over the years and thinking, oh, this will get them going. Yeah. you literally just get a one sentence answer, which takes them, you know, like a sound bite. Yeah. To get. And then you're like, oh, I thought that was going to That was going to give us at least 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I think having like loads more questions, you know, in your pocket so that you can pull them out so that you are, you cannot, you just cannot have that session run short. You know, you have to run for the whole session. And so even with, even if you've gone to a Q&A session, and the audience is sitting there and they're not saying anything or or they're young children and they're coming up with, you know, really random questions that aren't, you know, aren't, <laughs> yeah, aren't, hitting, aren't hitting the mark. You know, you might want to interject with questions then. So you need to have like loads. I always have like loads and loads of questions and I try and think of the flow of the question so it's logical with the answers that are coming out, but just being flexible because you just won't know how they're going to answer. And so you really need to be on your feet during the session. Mm. Yeah. And sorry, you finished, you finished. Oh, and just being aware and reading the audience and seeing what they're enjoying. And if there's a particular sort of angle that they're really going down, then shift the question so that you're meeting, you're meeting the audience's reactions, I guess. Mm. Do you have to sort of gauge the obviously the people that you're the panel that you're chairing like they are kind of personality types like you can tell right off the bat if someone's a chatter or someone's not so much of a chatter do you already have it laid out like you'll be asking do do you just change the like the rhythm or the what's the word yeah you know the the order I guess of the people that you're asking and if someone's taking taking too much airspace then you try and sort of come up with questions that are more, you know, the other that the other panel members will have more expertise in or have more interest in or have written something. So then you sort of direct attention away from them. So because you want everybody to have a go in the yeah. panel. You want to have one person taking over. You want to make sure that everyone's had a chance to to speak. Yeah, well that's yeah, that would be the point of the panel, wouldn't it? <laughs> so you in every instance that you've chaired a panel for whatever organization, so it sounds like you've done some big ones and festivals and obviously some smaller ones as well, I guess, through like the library systems and things. You've been given a brief by everybody to follow of, and what, well, what what's in the brief? What's Is it just an outline of 
how things might go. Yeah, for the festivals that I've done, sometimes you get, you know, really good information other, and you might get the books provided. Other times you'll get minimal information and there'll be no texts and you have to, you know, you might have to pluck them off your own shelves or go and find them from libraries or bookshops or whatever. But really, yeah, you just, you do get a bit of a brief, but it's minimal. You, you're mm. given minimal direction, but you know, for instance, if they want to cover magic, you know, you better make mm. sure the questions are geared towards that. And then yeah. you know, know what age, I'm really talking about children's literature. Yeah. If you know the demographics of the people that are coming, then you can make sure that you're covering, you know, like like little kids are going to want to know about authors, you know, like yeah. what their favourite colours are. Do they like chips and ice cream? <laughs> You know, uh, adult audiences are not so fussed about that. They want to, you know, how they do it, what their process is, is are they plot, are they hamsters? So, yeah, depending on really knowing who the audience is and just, yeah, covering, like I said, you don't get a lot of information about the brief, but there will be a gist and you want to make sure that that's what you're hitting. Mm, no, absolutely. No, it's good. It's good that it's and uh, that you've got a bit of free reign, I guess, because it makes you, I guess, as the chair panel chairing chairperson. I don't know what the what the term is. What is the term? Chair, just chair. I think it's <laughs> I think it's facilitator. Facilitator. I think yeah. yeah. Or interviewer. Yeah, well, you know, I was like, trying to think. Is it is it, it does feel like an interviewer role because you still have to obviously you're determining the flow and the questions and the timing and, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, rather than sort of this is what you've got to ask. And have you ever done a panel? And like it sounds like you you're over prepared, so that's fine. But that that <laughs> a fear of mine arises to think that you would just run out of things to say. <laughs> or, yeah, that's why like, you questions. always have like loads, loads and loads. I mean, probably for like an hour session, you could probably get away with you know six to 10 questions I always go in with about 20 (laughs) (laughs) so you're over prepared yeah and are you allowed to hold those you've got you're allowed to keep them close by so you know you can refer to them I I usually have like I'm such a nerd like I'm I'm not modern so like a lot of people I guess would just do their phone or their iPad or whatever but I'm always like freaked out that something will happen so I always have have clipboard (laughs) i think that's good nothing can go wrong there unless you're me and you can't read your own writing (laughs) yeah and i type it out as well and i like double space bullet points yeah i try and make it as easy for myself as possible given that you have to really be you know moving in in your mind you're moving Mm. things around and you know gauging things you want to make everything as easy as possible for yourself Mm. day so how are you how are you gauging the time at the same time as sort of um going between people to ask for questions do you have a, a watch that you're looking at or you've got a clock yeah, that it, you're it depends on depends on where the gig is and if it's a you know like a fairly oh, if it's like an awesome theater or you know like a within a library say I just have my watch on and I'm mm. You know, or I might set my timer, or but you know, you never start exactly on time anyway. With it, mm. especially with library events, you know, they like to leave a little bit of extra time for the audience to turn up. But for sort of something that's run like for a festival that's run really, you know, on time to the mm. minute, somewhere like um, there's that theatre in Subiaco. I've forgotten the name. Oh, the Regal? No, not. Oh, was it the Regal? No, the Regal didn't have one. There was another theatre, the little one. Anyway, that one has a clock on stage, a countdown. Right which I just thought was amazing I was like (laughs) I was like this is like the best thing ever so I do it helps doesn't it yeah otherwise because once you've got your phone on you know it goes to the black screen and then you have to like put your password in again to get the timing (laughs) up and it's 
you know, an old-fashioned watch would be better, really. But, yeah, that one in that theatre in Zubiaco, which I've forgotten the name of, was just, it was amazing. I just loved that clock. <laughs> I went from there straight to the Regal Theatre, like, the next day or the next session or whatever, and there was no clock on stage. And I was like, there's no clock on stage. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it it feels like a multitasking role. That's why I'm just intrigued to find out how you sort of, you know, calmly, as well as being present, you've also got other things going on. So it just feels like, yeah, definitely multitasking. So you would you, as as the facilitator, would you rock up to a a gig and you would expect, you're not involved in the setup or anything, you'd expect just to be ready to go at your time slot, sit down and get started. That's what your job, you're there for that and that only. So usually for um, any of those sorts of events, you usually need to rock up, like, I think they like you to get there usually, you know, quite a bit before the audience and you do like a sound check and go into the green room and sort of one of my tips, I know that I'm sort of jumping the gun with the questions, but one of my tips for um, anyone that wants to facilitate is really make the most of your time in the green room, Mm. in the green before the event, because then you'll get to know the panel members and it's only the people that are going, oh, well, it's it's performers and artists in there. So it's Mm. not like they're going to be distracted by anybody else. So you can really get to know the panel members for just that short time before you go on Mm. stage. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you can ask them things like, how would you like me to pronounce your name? You know, especially if they have like a a complicated, you know, name that you're not familiar with. And you can check if there's anything that's off limits for any of the panel members. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's another reason why you need lots of questions because you just don't want to be left short. So do you recommend even going one further than that, than just sort of seeing them before the event, but actually contacting the people but before before the event to ask these sort of questions rather than on the actual day so I have for some people some for a lot of these people if they're really quite high profile you won't have access to them you might have access to their agent or to their publisher and you can provide a list of your questions if you like and I have done that for some people but yeah usually even in the green room if I've got like a list of the questions I'm happy in the green room to say look because I have my clipboard right there with me yeah (laughs) (laughs) happy to say you know, can I check your name, pronunciation, you know, and can you just, would you mind running your eyes over these questions and just marking any that you're really uncomfortable with? Mm. It's just consideration, really. I think it's just being considerate of the people that you're working with. Yeah, no, they're really good tips. It's it's something that you don't sort of think about, just the little fine details, like the fine tuning things and stuff. So that's good. I've yet to get my way into a green room. I'll, I'll see you in there one day. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go into a green room very often. <laughs> uh, I was like, who knows, you might cheer me on a paddle one day. Uh, well, w- taking it right back before even the event and all of it, how, was this something you have set out to do or you have just gotten known in the industry for these skills? And obviously the first time that you came on the podcast, we were talking about judging writing competitions. So mm-hmm. you seem to take on quite a leadership role within the writing industry um, for kind of these events and stuff like that. So have you just through contacts found that you've been offered to chair panels as a role how have you actively strategically sought them out or yeah I would love to say that I actively strategically <laughs> <the> plan <laughs> but 
like most things, it wasn't. When I started writing, you know, like about a decade ago, I love to read. Reading is absolutely my one of the biggest joys in my life. And so I really, what I thought I would do is I would use my whatever little platform I had to be supportive of people in the industry. So I really went out of my way to, to for just for the Australian industry, to provide reviews and author interviews for my blog. I don't think anyone does blogs anymore. But anyway, so when when blogs, well, I was probably even on the outer for the blog thing. I was probably too late for that. But when I was doing <laughs> when I was doing my blog, my blog really was reviews and author interviews. And so I started with so I think a tip is to start with your own platform and use that because whatever you're using, conduct author interviews if you want to be, you know, facilitating author panels conduct all the interviews and that way you'll get lots of experience coming up with questions and hopefully your name will sort of get out there a bit and I think if you are doing this as a service for authors and for readers then people sort of see that you're not sort of doing it to promote yourself you're doing Mm. it to promote people and so people are more positive I think yeah so I think start with your own platform whatever whatever platform that is and use that as a as a way to gain experience and to get a bit of a name and then another trick trick's probably not the right word another tip is to identify the type of events that you're keen to be involved with and then lots of festivals rely heavily on volunteers for these for for them to run Mm. literally they can't run without volunteers and so if if you identify an event that you're really interested in you you could volunteer to help out and that way you'll get a really good understanding of how these events work and you'll also make contacts and you'll sort of be networking in the industry and people will know that you're very helpful and you're reliable and you know it's all the usual stuff really there's no there's no sort of special shortcut or special trick you know it's Mm. just doing the hard yard so yeah working out what what you're interested in and then I and then going ahead because if you're interested in it you'd be more than happy to volunteer anyway and that way you'll get behind the scenes view of how things are working and then you'll yeah yeah no that's really good tips there absolutely uh I have I've always wanted to volunteer at that reading conference that they have I haven't made it oh, to that yeah. yet <laughs> yeah you, you know the the yeah. is that that, that reading is that one, one Free, the one in Fremantle yeah the literature center yeah 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 should definitely do that yeah, and yeah, uh, they definitely have volunteers for that event definitely yeah oh, the tickets are just so expensive usually but it's yeah, I can't, um, I've never been because it's been too expensive yeah well everyone <clears throat> everyone who has been is always raves about it though and they always say how good it is but yeah the tickets always are a bit expensive so maybe when I've got a few more books published <laughs> <laughs> that, that won't be too bad uh so in terms of so you you've done these things you've obviously put yourself out there as well but in terms of getting paid for these roles these roles are paying roles or the some of them volunteer roles or is that a bit uh, of no, usually they're paid they're paid roles i'm sort of i really think that facilitating is the way to go so if you're appearing as talent you will You'll only go like once, you know, or you might go every couple of years or every few years. It's unlikely that you would be asked again and again mm. because actually there are new books coming out all the time. So I think going as a, in as a facilitator is a much it has long it has more long more longevity because you can be asked back you can be asked back every year to do your gig. And so although you can use ASA Australian Society of Authors public appearance rates as a bit of a guide, I found really that festivals have a set rate for performers and artists, and right. so they're 
the rates will be included in your contract. But what's also interesting is often the facilitators, unless you've got really huge stars that they've flown over from the US or, you know, Europe or whatever, often you'll be paid more than the local talent. Hmm. Because you're doing more work. Yeah. (laughs) Sit there and answer your questions. (laughs) I don't have to worry about the time. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. No, that's that's good points there. Is it, I don't know, kind of like, so for example, we've got Perth Writers Festival coming up in Perth, Western Australia. And though to look at the lineup for that, which I haven't actually scoured all over, but I've seen a few familiar names and whatnot and for local publishing houses and things. Do you feel, do they like to have facilitators? Like it seems to be the same people, I suppose, that are the ones that are on the panels, but then they're also facilitating other events. So do they try and work it? out like that because they're maybe paying those people I don't know they're probably not paying them a flat rate to be there all weekend they're they're in different positions like you said so do you know much about that or not really it's is it quite inclusive I guess is what I'm saying well I've only appeared at Perth Festival once and it was yeah children's section of it you know is minor for audiences rather than the, yeah like the Anna Funders or whoever are coming over yeah so it was yeah I think the prestige of being there may outweigh if you're a local author or a local facilitator probably outweighs the rate that you're being paid yeah okay you are being paid but uh, yeah it certainly wasn't my highest paying gig no yeah I just was thinking about like programs and stuff like that and then it seems like a lot of people who are on the panels are then doing extra events as facilitators around the place so I just wondered whether they they do that intentionally or yeah probably Um, the programming for these events is is so you know complex and mm. you know goes on for so long that I imagine they would try and line everything up and use the people that they've got under contract you know and see where else they can use them. Mm, no, it makes sense. So back to your chairing paneling experience. In all instances or, or whatever, does anything come to mind? Have you had any blunders that you've had to work through? Any sort of moments or has oh. everything flowed and run pretty smoothly because you've been extra prepared with your clipboard? <laughs> I guess you never know what's going to happen. I was, um, we had a really high profile American author come over, female American author come over. And it was, there were a lot of students, high school students in the session, like I want to say maybe 300 students. And the lights were intense, like you just couldn't see it. You couldn't see out to the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, the lights were just in your, it was just really hot and the lights were in our faces. I won't say the name of the school, but there was a um, prestigious boys' school and boy each oh it was all it was awful a couple of students put their hands up and they were putting their hands up and at the same time making like a lewd gesture with it with their hands as they were putting their hands up that was awful and then they were asking just really awful questions just yeah so there was a couple of questions slipped through where you know I was giving them the benefit of the doubt so one lad got up and said his awful question and the oh the the famous author was brilliant and, you know, had had done so many events, um, so was able to sort of, you know, get out of that. But really that right. was my gatekeep that and I didn't. So then when the next lad did it, I I, I think I said something like... Keep it clean. <laughs> no, I said something like, that's, that's actually not, that's not an appropriate question for this festival. So would you like to ask something about, about how this author plots her novels? Mm. 
yeah, the deflated the that's good. So, yeah. yeah, so I just, it's just really difficult. I remember when I gave a, uh, which isn't facilitating, but it's again dealing with the public because you just don't know what they're going to do. And I had been giving a presentation with another, um, with this, we, we were actually presenting as researchers rather than as authors. And we were presenting to some, a wealthy group of older people. And at one point, this woman, she started off asking me a question and she was very friendly at the beginning. And then it soon turned to just this really unfair criticism of my work. Oh, my goodness me. In this, yeah, in this public, in this public place. And I just was floored. I just, I didn't have, I just wasn't able to do, this was before I started facilitating and I just wasn't, I didn't really have a good comeback. And I think I got annoyed and I showed that I got annoyed and mm. that was that was a that was a mistake and i should have just i should have just said something like that's an interesting point that you make and if you'd like to come and see me afterwards we can discuss it more gosh so that's that's good points there as well is it is yes. it worth coming up with like I think so. responses to um questions that are either going to make you feel uncomfortable or get your back up or you shouldn't be showing any sort of emotional response really you're the the deadpan person <laughs> Yeah, I kind of feel like it's like when you when someone's commented harshly on a social media post, you don't engage. You know, that's like the golden rule, you know, yeah. how much you want to, you don't engage. And I think it's the same, especially in a public place where you're you're on show. I think you just have you have to be in control and not not sort of go down to their level and not respond in that way and I think it took me honestly it took me about a year to come up with that retort I was like I have to have something in my arsenal that I can pull out mm. when it happened and so yeah so now I know you know that's that's what I would say I would say you know that that's an interesting point you make uh, maybe we can discuss this after the session you know come and find me <laughs> <Then I run away. laughs> oh gosh I, I, um, I hurt that you had to go through that it's horrible because it's it's hard enough like you know getting up there and doing whatever without people criticizing you you know yeah we were doing it for like it was a just we weren't getting paid we were just doing it for this group of people as you know just as something that for their interest and and because the person started off so friendly, I sort of was lulled into this sense of, you know, this isn't going to go badly. And then when it did go badly, it was just, I was just like, yeah, I was devastated. But it was the same with these lads. It was it was awful. And I remember I was just mortified and I had to apologise to the author and she knew exactly what was going on. Right. You know? And it was like, well, I know you've come all the way from America and now you're in Perth and we're, you know, I've let your, I've let your audience abuse you, you know, like it was just, oh. But she was she was okay. Yeah, she was fine. But yeah, it wasn't. You know, as humans, we always focus on. You know, ninety eight percent of the thing went really well, and the two percent was negative. Yeah, to remember the negative, we don't tend to remember the positive. Yeah. Well, let's do that now. Let's let's talk about we've talked about that (laughs) negative. All the all the other times I've been fairly positive, I guess. Have you had like so many standout panel sessions that you just think, oh, that was an amazing conversation. Everybody just bounced off each other, and it was so much fun. Anything coming to mind there? Yeah. Oh, and I can't remember the name of the author, but she wrote this series of books. Oh, I can't even remember how many books. Like, there's like eight or nine books. It's a magical fantasy series. She's like really big. And yeah, she was just, she was awesome. So it was just such a good session. And I think we did the session one day and then we did the session the next day. And having a do-over was even better. 
you know, yeah. like I was able, and I had that rapport with her, and we were riffing off each other, and it was, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was fun. It was 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 a lot of fun. Plus, there were the clock ones on the stage. So it was, it was, <laughs> <laughs> that made a difference. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh no, that's good. Well, you've shared so many tips already, Nadia. Like, super interesting for anybody who's would like to add sort of this onto their CV or their creative career. Um, resume or something do you have any more tips that you want to share that you haven't touched on with anybody no I think I just want to reiterate that preparation I think that's really key yeah you just have to have a lot in your arsenal Mm. and and yeah and no like you will like you know like I made a mistake with those lads and I made a mistake with that with the um lady that was giving me a hard time but just knowing that you can learn from those and you can put that into your future toolbox so that you know what to what how you can deal with those in the future yeah absolutely no no, that's all really sound advice and uh yeah what is happening with you for future works are you writing any fiction at the moment or are you just knee deep and about to be dr nadia ill king (laughs) i wanted to say that for ages (laughs) not yet not quite doctor so 2024 i have to keep reminding myself that we're in 2024 so i have a couple of titles that are being released by Scholastic this year. And I have a poem in an anthology of children's poetry, which is being published by Fremantle Press in, in March, right way down. So I'm very excited about that. I'm not really writing any fiction at the moment. I am, as you mentioned, finishing up my PhD. So I've been, um, for the last few years, I've been examining how characterization operates in the realist modern short story. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Which has been really like just, it's it's been hard, but it's been just a wonderful journey. So I'm also a little bit sad to finish that up in the coming months. Well, you'll just have to do another one. <laughs> can you do two PhDs? I don't know. Yeah, you can. I've checked. Oh, really? <laughs> You've checked. <laughs> oh, well, there might be another one on the cards. Well, that's amazing. Congratulations on all your success. And thanks again for coming on to share with us cheering a panel. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Good luck oh, to be- everyone. Well, before you disappear, can you tell us where, <laughs> where people can find your books that you've got out and your short stories? and everything that you do online yeah so you can find me at my website so nadialking.com and I sell my books locally so if you want to uh, get a copy of uh, one of my books people can just drop me a dm through my website and yeah we can we can go from there fantastic thanks Nadia well you're very welcome thanks again Joe. there you have it folks the super smooth and knowledgeable Nadia L King chatting how to chair a panel so I hope this episode helps any of you out there looking to undertake this role next time on the hybrid author podcast we have publisher Bernadette Foley who has 30 years professional experience working in the role of fiction and non-fiction publisher at Hachette Australia and Pan Macmillan she has also set up broadcast books at which she works directly with writers assisting and encouraging them to develop their writing skills through individual mentoring and workshops and me and Bernadette chat publishing your product to a professional standard because this is something that she works with authors to publish their books independently as well to reach traditional publishing professional standard. I wish you well in your author adventure this next week. That's it for me. Bye for now. That's the end for now authors. I hope you're further forward in your author adventure after listening and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the hybrid author website at www hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.